Good morning, church. It's lovely to, to see you, those of you who are here in the building with us and those of you who are online. Um, great to be able to share. And those of you who are, who are traveling, it's lovely to see that Adagoki's online with us from London, uh, sending Debbie off to university. The wonders of technology. You can join from wherever. And, uh, and we're really, really glad that you're able to do that. Um, we're going to be continuing um, in, this, in this fashion with uh, our in-person gatherings, as you know, and live streaming as we're, we're doing that. So please do uh, feel free to invite people and welcome them along. For those of you who are in the building, I know many of you were here last week, but just to remind you, uh, we're operating a one-way system here around the building, which uh, you've been familiarized with. And um, we're also asking that you please do retain your masks on during the gathering. Um, you did absolutely astoundingly last week with resisting the urge to sing. Uh, give yourself a pat on the back. Um, but you are very welcome to, to, to quietly hum along behind your, your mask. And, uh, and we're going to help you in other ways to creatively engage uh, both with the Word of God and the way that the Holy Spirit is leading us in worship. Um, we do have the family room open downstairs today. I know there are a couple of families present. Again, uh, it's clearly marked out for social distancing down there, and, and you will need to retain your masks for the adults, but you'll be able to see and hear everything, just as those of you who are online will be able to, to do that just the same. Now, I know, um, you know, we, we, we felt like we were moving into a season, didn't we, where, uh, where various restrictions were being eased. And things seem to be improving, and then all of a sudden, it looks like there's some pretty tough stuff around the corner, doesn't it? Or is that just me? I don't know. Uh, but I, I think certainly what we're going to be looking at this morning and over the next few weeks, our, our new series entitled How to Get Through What You're Going Through, uh, will be really, really helpful to us from the Scriptures. But right now, I wanted to begin with a reading from the Psalms. And I'm going to read um, some short verses from Psalm 40 which I think will be of help to us today. If you're here in the building, why don't you stand with me? Um, that would be fantastic. Even if you're at home, uh, you might want to stand. And um, you're welcome if you've got a, a device with you to, to follow along. Let's just read this in a meditative fashion, and then we're going to move into a time of praising God together. And Psalm 40 begins, I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. He drew me up from the pit of destruction, out of the miry bog, and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust, who does not turn to the proud, to those who go astray after a lie. You have multiplied, O Lord my God, your wondrous deeds and your thoughts towards us. None can compare with you. I will proclaim and tell of them, yet they are more than can be told. The psalm continues, I delight to do your will, O my God. Your law is within my heart. I have told the glad news of deliverance in the great congregation. As for you, O Lord, you will not restrain your mercy from me. Your steadfast love and your faithfulness will ever preserve me. Be pleased, O Lord, to deliver me. O Lord, make haste to help me. But may all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. May those who love your salvation say continually, great is the Lord. As for me, I am poor and needy, but the Lord takes thought for me. You are my help and my deliverer. Do not delay. Oh my God. 
Let's pray together. Whether we're here or at home, we're going to pray. Oh, Jesus, we want to make that statement, that statement of worship and that statement of faith today, that you are our help and our deliverer. Lord God, we're not shy to ask, don't delay, God, make haste to help us. Lord God, we think of the, the, the big picture things where we are so desperately in need of your gracious and mighty help. And God, we recognize that each and every one of us, whether here or in our own rooms and homes or catching up through the week, we all have times and needs where we are saying to you, God, make haste to help us. Lord God, we thank you that we present this prayer to a loving, heavenly Father. You are not distant. You're close to us. You love us, God. Through Jesus Christ, you have made a way for our salvation and all of the wonders of God to flow into and through our lives. So we confidently ask, God, be glorified in our lives, in your gracious provision to us, in your salvation, in your help. Jesus, we seek you in all these things. Amen. Lord Jesus, we thank you, Lord Jesus, that, Lord, that you never leave us nor forsake us. And, Lord Jesus, we just want to come this morning to worship you. Lord Jesus, to exalt you as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Lord, we just pray our hearts will be open to receive from you, Lord Jesus. That, Lord, you'll speak clearly, Lord Jesus. And that, Lord, that, Father God, we just pray, Lord Jesus, that your name will be exalted. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. Would you like to take your seats? It's lovely to see you. Hopefully you've had a great week. The sun has been shining. How are your gardens doing? Maybe getting there, maybe a garden project going on. Lots of things are going on, aren't they, at the moment? Last week we talked about, didn't we, getting up a little bit earlier. How many of you set your alarms maybe five minutes earlier last week? Did anybody manage to do that? No? No, one. There we go, we've got one here. Manage to set your alarms early to start your day with God. Because it's so important, isn't it, that we start our day with God getting up earlier and earlier. I think my dog seems to be my alarm clock. Five o'clock in the morning is the wake-up call, which is not good. Well, I suppose I should use this, shouldn't I, for the benefit of it, at five o'clock in the morning and spend time with God. But of course, in our busyness, we sometimes put things to the side, don't we? Maybe we have lots and lots of struggles and they seem to be overwhelming, getting on top of you. And sometimes we're thinking, how can we cope with our struggles, whether it's schooling, our children are back at school, you know, whether it's their maths, their English, their science, homework, or whether it's our jobs in general, just some mental health issues and things like that. We carry, don't we, a lot of struggles and we carry a lot of burdens. And sometimes they feel, don't they, that they're going to get heavier and heavier. Now, I could ask the question, like, how heavy is this bottle of water? Now, at the beginning of lockdown, I was pretty good at going to the gym in my garage. You know, when you hold that like this, it doesn't seem heavy at all, does it? First 10 seconds, pretty good. The arm isn't aching at all. 30 seconds, maybe I'm starting to go red yet. Is the arm aching? A minute, I'm hoping time goes a bit quicker here. But could you imagine carrying this water, holding this water out for about an hour or two hours or three hours? How hard would it be? You'd need to persevere, wouldn't you? Your arm would be aching. Now, mine's starting to ache. 
a little bit here. But the thing is, this bottle of water hasn't changed. It's still two litres of water. It's still the same weight, but I've been holding it for longer and longer time. And that can be the same with our struggles and our worries. They feel as if they're heavy. They feel as if they're hard. And it's getting heavier and heavier. The Bible says, give all your worries to him because he cares about you. No matter what you're struggling with today, no matter what your worries are, if you give them to God, he cares for you. It says it twice, doesn't it? Give all your worries because he cares for you. Give all your cares to him. He cares for you. That's how much he loves you. It's important that we don't go alone. We don't try and carry our worries, our struggles alone because God is always there for us. We think of the story in Exodus and we see a similar thing with the life of Moses there. The Israelites were encountering their first opposition wandering in the desert. The Amalekites attacked the people of Israel while Joshua led the troops into the battle. Moses was holding his arms out. But the longer he held his arms out, the harder it was getting. And in Exodus 17, 11, it says, As long as Moses held up his arms, the Israelites won. But when his arms, when he put his arms down, the Amalekites started winning. When Moses' arms grew tired, Aaron and Hur brought a stone for him to sit on. While they stood beside him and held up his arms, holding them steady until the sun went down. In this way, Joshua totally defeated them. Who is around you to help you with your struggles? Who's going to keep your arms up? Number one, cast your cares upon God. Number two, surround you with people that are going to support you, that are going to lift up your arms, that are going to be there to give you the great advice to help you through your struggles. It's many times, isn't it, we sometimes get in that backpack, it can be really, really heavy. But I want to encourage you this morning before Pastor Greg comes, and that is to cast your cares onto Jesus because he cares for you and he loves for you. This week, if you feel you're getting snowed under and down and heavy and burdened, just spend time, set that alarm five minutes earlier in the morning and spend time with Jesus resting in his presence. I've discovered that it's, uh, it's quite tricky to wear a face mask and a headset microphone um, at the same time. So do f- please forgive me if I'm all kind of flustered and in bits and pieces. Um, but as Karen has just mentioned, and um, we are going to continue week by week with these uh, little family slots um, just to kind of hopefully um, engage the attention of, of the kids um, in, in, ways, in ways that, you know, we, we want to help you. Um, it's worthwhile saying for those of you who are in the building as well, um, if, you, if you've not heard yet, our family room is available downstairs and you can, you're very welcome to use that. Um, again, do socially distance down there and, um, and keep your masks on adults, uh, but you'll be able to see and hear everything down there um, just as you can up here and just as you can online. Um, but as Karen has just said, we're going to be spending a little bit of time over these next three weeks thinking about and drawing from the story that we find in, in Exodus, how to get through what you're going through. And just to begin with, um, I thought we'd uh, kind of just uh, think on a few things together before we start to unpack the Bible together. 
And of course, here we are, and, and in many senses, autumn is here, or it's more or less here, isn't it? Out the back of our garden, uh, we have this, uh, well, I say we, it's, it's actually our neighbors over the back who've gone to the trouble of growing this beautiful thing, but they've got this Virginia creeper that goes all the way across at the back, and it's just started to turn into kind of like golds and oranges, and soon we'll have this riot of red at the back of, um, it's because all the good people support football teams that are red. And, um, and that's, uh, I, I see there's, there's somebody there who agrees with me, excellent. Um, so it's going to be there and it's going to be beautiful and we know that kind of autumn is coming, don't we? I don't know whether over these um, summer months you've managed a staycation or even a safe and probably foreshortened overseas trip. I don't know whether you managed anything like that. But summer is receding such as it was. And with it seems to be receding really any hope that this pandemic season, a season of restrictions and loss and anxiety and so many more things that we don't want, it seems that the idea that that is coming to an end is also receding. There may be a way to go yet. So we resign ourselves in some ways to maybe weeks and months of being predominantly inside, uh, which kind of suits the British weather as we move into the autumn anyway, I guess. But maybe it feels like being cooped up. Well, setting aside for a moment that we could probably all use some more time appropriately reading or praying or thinking. Even so, it's good to dream of a big, wide, beautiful world that we'll one day be able to enjoy again. So I thought just for a moment or two, and hopefully Alex can help us with this, uh, we're just going to head outside for a moment, not literally, but virtually. And it should come up on the screen here and hopefully online as well. We're going to escape into something of God's glorious beauty, and we're going to go over to the United States of America. Thank you right now. Enjoy this. I think you'll like it. Does anybody want to go on holiday? Yeah. (laughs) Honestly, I expected a lot more hands raised than that. Uh, It's beautiful, isn't it? And um, that actually, and I don't know whether I'm even saying this correctly, not being American, but that's from the Grand Tetons National Park. Did I say that right? Is it Tetons, Tetons? Anyone help me? Nobody knows. Okay. Uh, But it's from the Bridger Wilderness, and it's out there in the middle of Wyoming. I don't know whether anyone had any plans to... I know Simeon is mad keen on a U.S. road trip. I think he's driven every single road in the United States by now. But, uh, you know, it's incredible, isn't it? Absolutely incredible. It's amazing the, the beauty of creation out there. And that's amazing. But actually, when I've been looking into this this week, it, there's something pretty amusing as well. You see, at the base of a mountain, they've left the national park. They've left a comment box where hikers can leave their suggestions. I don't know what they're intending to do about it, but there you go. And you know, I know we were here a little bit last week uh, when we were thinking about some of the strange expectations people have in the countryside, but I enjoyed it so much, I thought we'd go there again. Here are a few samples of actual comments that people have left at the base of one of these mountains. Number one, please avoid building trails that go uphill. That was a genuine suggestion. Um, Secondly, ski lifts need to be in some places so that we can get to wonderful views without having to hike to them. Yeah? Does anybody like that kind of countryside adventure? Um, And lastly, I think you'll really enjoy this one. Escalators would help on steep uphill sections. You know, if if you could improve a mountain, 
an escalator. It's obvious, isn't it? First person to say it, but there you go. Um, at what point do you think that people lost sight of the fact that hiking up and down mountains meant going up and down? Um, it's supposed to be hard, isn't it? Challenges and difficulties are supposed to be a part of engaging in the great outdoors. But the truth of the matter is, most of us don't like hard things, do we? You know, if these last months can teach us at something, it's how uncomfortable we actually get, maybe not straight away, but pretty soon in, with difficulty. Specifically, we don't like struggle, pain, we don't really like tough times. Now, I don't know, anybody here, anybody online, put it in the chat. Would you say, I really enjoy pain and tough times? You know, feel free, no. I was going to say, we'll start praying for people if you were going to say, yeah. Nobody really does. It makes sense. We're much more comfortable with a path that is level and smooth and where there's no steep, tough stuff. Most of us would do anything we can to avoid pain and struggle. And do you know what? That's pretty sensible. You know, you don't come to church and we're not going to offer you some strange martyrdom complex here. It's pretty sensible to want to avoid pain. But there's one problem with that strategy. Pain and struggle are inevitable in life. Every person experiences some of it. Struggle is a part of life. We're a diverse church, which I think is brilliant, both here in the building, all of you online. But the one thing we probably have all in common is, right now, or at least recently, or at least in the near future, we're all struggling through tough times. And for that reason, over these weeks, we're going to be learning how to get through what you're going through. Now, maybe for some of us, tough times might be a brand new thing. Maybe for the younger members in the church, hitting something like this is totally without precedent. I don't know. Maybe for some of you, tough times are all too familiar. And maybe for some of us, the tough times that you're going through, actually they've got nothing to do with COVID-19. They're entirely different. But the brutal reality is we're all going to have stuff like that. Again, the truth is sometimes our tough times are things that we've got ourselves into. Maybe we've made a poor decision. It's taken us down a path we never intended. Or maybe it's a consequence of, of what someone else has done to us. We, we, we've been entirely innocent in that regard, but someone else's bad decisions have impacted us really terribly. Or maybe like right now, it could just be that life has hit you with circumstances beyond our control. No one's to blame for it, but nonetheless, it's here. Struggle is a reality of life. And what we want to suggest as we're unpacking the Bible over these few weeks is it's actually how we get through what we're going that really matters. And actually, it's how we respond to really difficult circumstances that actually not only matter for now, but they can actually set us on a good path through the days to come in our journey with God. And we want to be understanding this in that framework that we are journeying with God. And for a spiritual journey, we're going to actually say that you can understand your, your life, your walk, your way in three stages. Theologians, they give a variety of names to these stages. But for our purposes, we're going to just use a really simple and memorable way of understanding our walk with God. First up, there's what we would term the confidence stage. We typically would have 
confident faith when we first get to know God. It's a bit like a honeymoon period. And uh, everything just seems to be going brilliantly. We've found our way back to God. It can last a good while. There's excitement. There's joy. Prayer seems just so easy. It makes a difference. Obedience results in God's blessings. We feel a lot of joy and gratitude. It's a good time. And God is so gracious to us in that. Even so, that season of confident faith inevitably at some point will hit a season that we might term challenged faith. Suddenly, everything that was going swimmingly is just that bit tougher. Fears may emerge or doubts may grow. Maybe we feel like God is distant. We know that that's not true, but we might feel it nonetheless. Maybe our obedience, we're trying to do the right thing, but it just doesn't seem to be working out in the same way. We long for the days when faith seemed new, fresh, unstoppable. Judah, my lad, has just enjoyed or endured, I'm not sure, his first, few, first full week in school. He's waving at me. I think he enjoyed it. And, um, and it's been really, really good. But it's quite a big step up for the lad. Uh, truth is, it's quite a big step up for his parents. We've been holding ourselves together emotionally. Um, but the days are a little bit more challenged. And, you know, my days, my working life is, is now kind of squished into what I can achieve between dropping him off and picking him up. Uh, because he doesn't let me do much outside of that and um and you know you kind of you're doing your best you're not trying to worry too much but then you're thinking about oh goodness it's in this big wide world all of a sudden at the moment and you're trying to kind of manage your emotional life and and then uh, you know you're kind of remembering to kind of greet him at the school gate with a, with a snack a large snack because my lad is he's, he's like me he gets hangry anybody else get hangry I get hangry. My lad does too. I've got to be there at the school gate with food um, and everything. Will be, he's, he's getting through stuff. And, you know, I joke about these kind of circumstances. But the truth is there's oftentimes much tougher circumstances that challenge us. What about you? you know, how, how are you grappling with what's going on in your heart, in your life, in our world? Maybe just for a moment or two, and you might even want to close your eyes if you're comfortable with that. Just have a think for a moment or two. I'm going to invite the band to come back. Have a think for a moment or two. I'm not trying to drive any kind of worry or anxiety in you, but we're going to be presenting these things to God. But for a moment or two, what is it that's causing you pain? Just think for a moment to name it just for a moment or two you might even want to write it down Look, I did this for myself this week and just name these things before God it's helpful maybe you'd even say these things are causing you genuine lasting suffering and we just take a moment or two to think on these things and as you're kind of writing them down or thinking on them just naming them before God we're going to come back to them. So it's a good thing to do. This hard stuff, this, this stage of challenged faith, it has the potential to take us to the next stage. Confident faith, challenged faith. We can journey together toward what we're going to term living faith. It's a deep and abiding faith that remains strong in these tough times and tough situations. Most of us want that kind of faith. We want to be able to live there with that kind of peace and hope and confidence. The only way to get there is to go through challenge. The only way to enjoy living faith is to continue, endure challenged faith. 
And that's what we're going to be exploring as we go along. So we continue in thinking about seasons of struggle, of, of challenged faith, and of tough times. I read this week of one really uh, very particular tough time. I wanted to share it with you. I thought you might... Um, I was going to say like it. It sounds a bit odd, doesn't it? But uh, in recent news, there was a, a Frenchman in the region of the Dodoine who found his way into an unofficial world record by exploding his house, get this, while trying to swat a fly. Did you hear about this? Exploded his house while trying to swat a fly. You see, this, this French guy in his 80s, he was about to sit down and enjoy his bread and cheese you know, because he's French. Um, when he became irritated because there was a fly buzzing around his brie. And so he grabbed an electric fly swat and set about thrashing around after the fly. However, there was a gas canister leaking in his house, and the rest is history. There was a huge explosion that destroyed his kitchen and damaged some of the roof, but thankfully the elderly gentleman received just a slight burn to his hands. According to the local authorities, he was lucky to escape. Sadly, the fly is still at large. Isn't that always the way with flies? Anyhow, tough times, um, challenging things. What we're going to look at is a a really serious and very important story in the Bible over these next few weeks as to how challenged faith works itself out toward living faith. It's from a book in the Bible called Exodus. And as the name suggests, it's about people coming out of something, coming out of slavery, in fact, through a journey into God's promise. A little bit of background. There was a a time way, 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 way back when there was a severe famine and all of God's people, the Israelites, those that were there at the time, they ended up in the land of Egypt. They went there because one of their own, a man by the name of Joseph, he'd found favor with the Egyptian king, with the Pharaoh. Joseph rose through lots of own challenge faith moments to become second in command over all of Egypt. Absolutely stunning story. And the king then gave his family, these Israelites, their own land, and they had a great life in Egypt to start with. You fast forward a few hundred years, and the the people, the Israelites, they'd grown and they'd prospered, but something else had happened. You see, that initial time of favor was long forgotten. The Israelites are living in slavery to their Egyptian masters. They're being mistreated and abused. Their lives are work, 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 and it is brutally hard. They're faced with the same question that many of us are faced with in life, how to get through what you're going through. And we're going to look at just two different scenes this morning from their story. And and in them, we're going to see two different responses to challenged faith times. We pick up the story in Exodus 3, and you can perhaps read it for yourself. But at this point in the story, God has chosen a man named Moses. He's an Israelite, and he's going to lead God's people out of their slavery, out of this challenged faith season. And um, in Exodus, it says that Moses, he was tending the flock of his father-in-law. I've mentioned this before, but I really love the way the Bible sets the scene here. Um, he, he, He escapes from trouble, actually, and he ends up in the desert 
but in certain versions of the Bible, it says desert's not bad enough. Let's say it's the backside of the desert. I just, I just love that. I think if, if it's not bad enough, it's the bum of the desert. This is not even the best bit of the desert. And this is where kind of his life has kind of begun again. But he's tending the flocks of his father-in-law there, and he comes upon what's called the mountain of God. And in Exodus 3 and verse 2, it says, there the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. That's weird, isn't it? That's just art. It's really strange. And yet this sense, this idea of fire actually has a non-odd sense in the Bible. Over and over again, fire is a symbol that God is present one way or another in the Bible. So if you're reading the Bible and you, you see fire, you can just go, ah, I wonder what's happening here. And so for the original hearers of this story, way, way back, those ancient Israelites, they would twig just the same way. They'd be like, huh, I wonder what's happening here. And, and Moses was no different. He's a smart cookie. And so he goes over to the bush to see what's going on. As he gets closer, God himself begins to speak to him from within this fire, this bush, about the people of Israel. And he says in Exodus 3, reading on a little, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them, and get this, crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and with honey. So now go, God says to Moses. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. There's lots happening here, and, and there's lots that's going to happen in the story. You check it out for yourself. But I want to draw us, our attention to just some key things here for us. What were the people of Israel doing in Egypt in response to their suffering? There's loads of responses you could have to tough times, loads of responses you could have to suffering. But what were they doing? In verse 7, it says, God says, I have seen their misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out. How did they respond? They cried out to God. In the midst of their misery, in all of their suffering, they cried out to God. I don't know, maybe if you're a follower of God here, if you know Jesus here today, maybe that's been a part of your life over recent days and weeks and months, maybe in a way that it never has been before, I don't know. Or maybe there's other struggles and sufferings in your life, and you can say, yes, when I think back over that season, I really did call out to God. That was my response. It was for the people of Israel. And, and God, who's described as a father to his people, how, how do we see him in this picture? Well, firstly, he says, I see my people. I hear their cries. And God says, I'm concerned about their suffering. He's ready to step in, ready to take action. This same God is the God of today. The God of the Israelites then is the God who wants to hear the cry of his people today. It's not just an ancient story. This is lived reality for those of us who are journeying through times of challenged faith with God. God wants to respond to you with that same concern. And so we read on from chapter 3 of Exodus all the way through to chapter 13 of Exodus. 
And here we're seeing how God is unpacking and, and developing the story. If you read through there, you'll see how God intervened and, and how God um, responded to the cries of his people. Through Moses, God leads his people dramatically, wondrously out of slavery. But in this chapter, chapter 13, there's something really interesting that we want to point out. In verses 17 and 18, it says, when Pharaoh let the people go, God didn't lead them on the road through the Philistine country. Though that was shorter, God led the people around by the desert road toward the Red Sea. I don't know about you, but if I've had a tough day, if you've had a hard day at work, if you've really kind of left everything out on the field and you've got nothing left in the tank, the last thing you want on the way home is a detour. Am I right? The last thing that you want is traffic jams and diversions and roadworks and all that kind of stuff. You're like, get me to my couch now. I, why? What on earth is going on here? Why did God lead them out by the desert road? Ending up in the desert probably didn't feel much like a rescue to the people of Israel. If you can put yourself in their shoes, maybe you're in their shoes. Here's the truth. It's truth in this story, and it's true for us too. Our lives can feel like that sometimes, can't they? If you journey with God, doesn't it feel like that sometimes? We sometimes find ourselves in places, and we, we perhaps know, at least in our best moments, that God is with us, he's working, but it doesn't look like rescue. It doesn't feel like rescue. We cry out to God, circumstances may change, but we find ourselves walking down unexpected, tough roads. You see, even the path of rescue can be a place of challenged faith. God is at work, but still sometimes we might feel like prayer, it's good, but certainly not changing things how we would want it to or how quickly we'd want it to. We wonder about God's listening ear and his caring heart, and maybe we begin to doubt his goodness. Maybe even some of you listening, watching, you're, you're doubting even his existence. We ended up in a place that doesn't feel like rescue, but though we feel like that, God is still doing things. A team are going to come back and lead us in a moment of worship now. I want to just for a moment describe what is God doing. That's great, come on. What is God doing even on that road that's so strange to us? On that road, the Israelites, they see some things. Exodus 13 Verses 21, 22, God leads them with a, a cloud during the day and a pillar of fire by night to show them the way. In Exodus 14, the Red Sea miraculously parts to allow them to escape the pursuing armies. In Exodus 15, salt water turns into fresh drinking water to quench their desert thirst. This is some pretty incredible stuff, isn't it? It's miraculous. It's supernatural. These are the acts of God. They're inexplicable otherwise. All along this desert road, this tough road, they watch God doing amazing things. Now, maybe you'd think because they got to see this, they'd be good to go for whatever comes next. Well, not so fast. They go through this season of challenged faith, but living faith is still a little ways off. And we've seen how, how it was that, yes, they, the Israelites, folks of God, they cry out to God in their times of stress. When we come into these moments of challenged faith, and we see how God is present in these things, not always present the way we would expect or not always doing things quite as quickly or as we expect, but uh, sometimes we need to submit ourselves. All the times we need to submit ourselves to his 
better, greater wisdom than ours. But how did those Israelites, that same group of people, respond in their season of challenged faith? In, in the fact that God was with them, and yet perhaps it wasn't what they had expected. Well, if you were to read again in the story a little further into Exodus 16, we read verses 2 and 3, these, these things. In the desert, the whole community, every single one, grumbled against Moses and Aaron, Moses' brother. The Israelites said to them, if only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted, but you have brought us out into this desert to starve the entire assembly to death. It's funny, isn't it? When times are hard, your perspective and your memory, they go totally wonky, don't they? And they've remembered some sort of beautiful kind of time. It wasn't like that in Egypt. They didn't sit around pots of meat, setting aside that that's quite a weird image anyway, isn't it? Uh, they, they weren't having a good time. It wasn't great. And yet, because things weren't working out the way that kind of simple minds or, or kind of whatever hearts wanted, they grumbled, they complained. After everything that has happened, pillars of cloud and fire and seas opening up and water appearing and everything is happening wondrously for them. After all of this, they're on a desert road and faith begins to crumble. They complain about where they are. They complain about what they don't have, ignoring what they do have. They haven't ended up where they thought the road was going. And so their cries, remember they cried out in their time of distress? They turn into complaints. They stop seeing God as their father and now they see him as some distant employer or some other kind of figure who is just trying to grind something out of them. There's such a difference, isn't there, between crying out to God and complaining. Crying out to him and complaining about him. A complaint, it's railing against some perceived sense of injustice that we think has been inflicted upon us. It's that part of us, that part of human nature that says, I deserve better than this. Why can't I have? It's human, certainly, but contrast that with the cry, the crying out, which is a deep lament. It's an appreciation of what is happening in a, in a very deep way and a legitimate plea to God for help in the midst of suffering. What's the difference between our hearts tending towards crying out and our hearts tending towards complaints? Well, it boils down to one thing, and that thing is trust. In crying out, we express a determination to trust God. Our pain and suffering, it's real. We do let it out. Don't bottle it up. But we let it out via trust. We say we need you. We need your rescue. In crying out, we trust that God is a loving Father. He sees us. He hears our cries. He is concerned for us. But complaining, complaining about God is the opposite of trusting Him. Instead of trusting Him, His response, we decide we know best, and then we complain that God doesn't meet our expectations or do things the way we feel that He should. Has anyone ever found themselves complaining recently? My hands up first, and the other one, and legs. I've complained so much. But here's what God wants to do in my heart. He wants to return me to this sense. Trust. Am I seeing God for who he is? Do I know him for who he is? Am I trusting him? Here's the bottom line. Every single one of us will go through tough times. 
If you've been around this church for a while, you'll know that one of my, Pastor Greg's favorite verses is John 16 and 33. And there's a lot in there. Some bits I don't always mention. The bit where Jesus says, I've said these things to you so that you may take, you know, so you may have hope. Uh, but, but in this verse, it says, Jesus says, in this world, you will have trouble. Yeah? See, I, I didn't realize, but I've been preparing you for this for years. I've been mentioning this verse over and over again. In this world, you will have trouble. What's he say? Take heart. I have overcome the world, says Jesus. And herein lies the possibility of trust. In a season of challenged faith, every one of us has to get through things we're going through. Think about that painful thing, that thing of suffering that is personal and present for you at the moment, the thing that we thought about earlier. What has got you feeling like you're lost in the desert? What about life has you feeling disappointed and disillusioned in circumstances, in others, in yourself, maybe in God? For some, deserts are full of unanswered questions. The world just doesn't make sense like it used to. For some, deserts are deserts of practicalities, of, of workplace issues or financial issues, and things just aren't really stacking up anymore, and you're stressed with this. And maybe deserts can be about our health, our emotional health, our well-being, and these stresses and strains hurt us so deeply. You're one person, I'm one person, but just like the people of Israel, there's two possible outcomes for us here. There's a fork in the road, there's a choice to be made. I want to encourage you today at the outset of our series, cry out to a loving father. Whether it's for the first time or whether it's for the thousandth time, his father heart for you, it never grows weary with you. He'll never turn you away. He welcomes and loves you with an everlasting love. Cry out to your father. Maybe the thought of crying out to God has never really entered your mind before. Maybe you feel a little uncomfortable with that. Maybe you think that, isn't that an admission of inadequacy or weakness? Hey, come on, I've got news for you. Compared to God, we are all weak. That's a little wake-up call. You don't need to be the strength that you need in this season. He has more than enough for each and every one of us. Our strength, it runs out, doesn't it? Our wisdom, it's not big enough. Our abilities, they're good for lots of things. I know you're some incredible people, but God is bigger, better, stronger, and he loves you. Amen. So here are your next steps. Please cry out to God. And, and if you're crying out to God, whether you're online today or whether you're here in present, please, if you want to, if you feel comfortable with this, respond and let us know that you're crying out to God. We want to get some great resources to you to help you in your crying out to God and to be able to answer your questions as best as we can and help you to, to grow in this journey and plug into your transformed communities. There are our midweek communities that have got ongoing journeys. Can I tell you, it's not enough just to listen to me every once in a while. Shock horror. You need to journey this, this challenged faith season with others. So if you're not part of a transformed community, let me help you get connected with one. Let us know in the chat online or if you're here present, let me know. And we'd love to help you with these things. In a season of challenged faith, will you call out to a loving father? And then will you let the father's family help you journey through the challenge? It sounds simple, doesn't it? And in so many ways it is. It's a matter of the heart. It's simple, but it's hard. <laughs> 
Christianity is not complicated and easy. It's the opposite. It's simple, but it's tough. God wants to take away the pain so many times to pull us out of the desert, and we just want him to make it go away. He does this sometimes. He really does. But do you know whether he does in the way we think or not? Let me tell you, every time, all of the time, God says, I am concerned about your pain, and I will be with you. Indeed, I am with you. I will walk with you. Cry out to me. Now, we're drawing to a close now. I just want you to think on these things, and maybe just you might want to close your eyes if you're comfortable with that for a moment or two again. Think about that calling out, that crying out to God. And think on him as a loving father. How might we illustrate this well? Well, Jesus, the son of God, he knew all about this. On the night before his cruel and unjust death on the cross, Jesus called out to his father. He cried out in his pain. He asked if it was possible to be delivered from his suffering. And yet, that day... Jesus chose to endure the most excruciating desert road anybody ever has, before or since. Jesus' suffering on the cross is profound and it profoundly teaches us. It doesn't give us a simple explanation for each of our own pains and sufferings. It doesn't wash away or wipe away your fears and your worries in a simplistic fashion, but it does this. It does tell us what the reason isn't. The reason you have pain or suffering or trouble is not because God doesn't love you. That is not true. The cross of Jesus Christ, as awful as it was, it demonstrates the love of Jesus for his world. The cross says, God will be there in the middle the epicenter of the suffering of the world. He is not indifferent. The cross means he will be there and he will endure ultimate suffering for us. This is why we can cry out to our Father God. Jesus has shown us the way. He's made that way for us. And you know, regardless of what tomorrow may hold or the weeks, months ahead, and there's so much uncertainty. It could drive us to anxiety, but hey, Come on, could we rather call to God? He is concerned for us. He will help us get through what we're going through. Let me pray with you here and those of you who are online before we sing as we close. Dear God, I'm praying for each and every person who is hearing these words, this story from your Bible, God, these, this, these words from your heart that you see us, that you hear our cries that you are concerned for us. Dear God, help us to know the truth of that. And God, when we're faced with seasons of challenged faith, so many of us are at this time, help us to make that choice to cry out to you in trust, to set aside the way of complaint. It's so destructive, so unhelpful, but to cry out to you in our place of need and to welcome the work and the way and the, the love of a gracious Father into our lives. God, I pray for people who today are choosing to cry out to you for the first time. God, I know that you hear them. They don't need to do anything before crying out to you. They don't need to pass an exam or meet some standard or, or know lots of things or all the, and nothing. They just call to you and you hear them. 
And I pray, God, for folks like that, whether here or online, if they're doing that to you today, God, I pray that they would know the reality of your loving care for them. I pray, Jesus, that we as a family will be able to connect with them and help them in their journey. Dear God, that we would all go together, getting through what we're going through, because you're with us, because you lead us, because you're more than enough for us. In your name we pray today. Amen.